0: This is my first love. How many remember your first love in creating your story? Or maybe that big move. I remember the big move that my dad made as we were leaving the farm right before I was going to college. How many in your life stories say, yeah, then I went to college, my family moved, then I went to college, then I got married to the love of my life. Somebody give praise to the Lord for someone that'll put up with me. Amen. We meet our spouse. And then if you're not married, you're like, yeah, I was concentrating on school, uh, had other uh, priorities, but I know that man's coming. How many women out there saying, I know that man's coming. I know that girl's coming. So, or if you're a parent, how many know you grab the cell phones out and you start, hey, this is my story. And grandparents, Pulling out the phone, hey, this is my um, life story. Or maybe you talk about your career. But whatever it is, what is your story? And what's in our story that we're making? And most of us, could you say that we have chapters we're not real proud of? Anybody got some chapters you're not real proud of? Or, Or maybe somewhere you ended up that you wasn't planning to be there. You didn't mean to blow it, but we blow it sometimes, don't we? We've made decisions that pushed us farther than we really intended it to go or had a fight with something that we didn't intend of it to spin out of that that bad. We did these things. You, you, you maybe hurt people or compromised some values or, or you broke a promise. You did things you feel like you can't undo. How many know that that is our life story sometime up to this point? But I'm telling you there's good news today. There's good news today because the story has not been finished. The book is not finished. We can turn that chapter in your life. How many know the Lord says you can put away those things are are behind and you can press forward to something that's new? Amen? Amen. We can not let those things hinder us or hold us down. We can shake them off and push into what's new, regardless of what you've done or you haven't done or what you needed to do, your future is still unwritten. You've got more victories to have. You've got more victories. You've got more friends to meet you got more things you're going to accomplish in this life. There's more experiences that you're going to have. And let me tell you something. I've been feeling this strong in the Spirit. And people that have an ear to hear what the Lord is saying when you listen to different people across the nation. Different prophets and different prophecies. Here's what you're hearing. Change is on the way. Change is on the way. Change is on the way. Good things are coming to the people of God. I remember that guy said, I don't remember who it was. I was looking up. It may have been, um, I, I, I can't remember. But remember that old guy in history that says, they're coming. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you that change is coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. So we're going to talk about five scriptural steps. If you'll bring, get your inserts out. First change. First, change starts when you have an honest evaluation of your current state. It begins with seeking out the truth. It begins with asking that hard question. It begins with saying, hey, how are you doing spiritually? How is your marriage doing? How is your relationship with your kids? How is your sibling's relationship with, with, the, with, with the adults? Some of you that are having to take care of your parents that are now older. How's that going? How's that going? How are those things going? How's your job? How's your business? How's it going? It starts with this. Real change starts in asking yourself the hard questions. There's got to be some intro, retrospection, where you're looking inside. You're looking inward with yourself. And then real change can come when you're asking others, others what they're seeing. And doing that requires some real vulnerability. And if you have that person in your life, you're very blessed. Nehemiah said, I asked him about the Jews who'd returned there from captivity. So Nehemiah had people around him, which is where our text is today, Nehemiah chapter 1, that he could ask them what they were seeing. So you're introspecting, then you're asking others, you're inviting other people in, and I would be careful with that on who you invite in. But real change is asking God. And the scripture says, Examine me, O God. Examine me, O God. Know my mind, test me. Discover my thoughts. Find out if there's anything evil in me that's keeping me, that's keeping me from that everlasting way. You know, the Lord is so gentle in showing us things where we're kicking ourselves, where we're shooting ourselves in the foot. He's so gentle in how He does that to us. So we have real change when we ask ourselves, we ask others, and we ask God. And then the next thing is then we're able to face that truth. Then we're able to look at square in the eye and not back down to it. Because in the scripture that we're looking at, they said, hey, things aren't going real well. Things aren't going real well. There's trouble. We're disgraced. The walls of Jerusalem's torn down. The gates are destroyed with fire. Brothers and sisters, sometimes it's hard to look at how things really are. Sometimes it's real hard to be honest with how it really is. Why is that? Well, I don't really want that reality check. I'd rather just stay not knowing. I'd rather stay ignorant, some might say, not me. I'm afraid to see the truth. What if I can't fix it? It'll be all right. Don't get your undies in a wad. It'll take care of itself. You know, it's all fun and games until your jeans don't fit anymore. How many know what I'm talking about? So, so we got to take a look at things. It's really not all that bad. It could get worse. So I want to ask you today, are you ready? Are you ready to trust God with some change in your life? Are you ready to take that hard look at your relationship with Christ, your spouse, your partners, your friends? Are you ready to take a look at how you're really doing and how your home is really doing? So the first step, the first step for real change is an honest evaluation of your current step, of your current situation. Number two, the second step for scriptural step for real change is having a heart of prayer and repentance. Having a heart that you open, you're, 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 you're okay with opening yourself up and prayer is talking to God, to where you're talking to God and you're, you're open, you're, you, you don't have all these walls up. Where you can talk openly. How many of you talk openly with God? You don't have to tell him some some fib or what it's not. He knows anyway. He knows anyway. So why not be real with God? Invite him into your situation with prayer. That's the second step, with prayer. And sometimes prayer leads to repentance. You know, it took Nehemiah six months. Once he heard about things weren't going real well. It doesn't look too good. It took him six months of prayer and repentance and and getting himself ready to where he had the strength to do something about it. So if you're on the beginning stages of change, realize that change is a process. I, I really want you to see that. Every detail in the Bible. People want things just to change immediately, instantly. Six months God was working on Nehemiah. I want that to burn in your mind. Six months, God was working on Nehemiah. He said, when I first heard it, the very first time I heard it, I sat down and I wept. I cried. In fact, four days I mourned and I fasted and I prayed. But you know what? So there has to be that honest look and that opening yourself up in prayer. And then listen, sorrow may come. Guys, don't think that just because you have sorrow, sorrow is a point of change. Sometimes it takes a broken heart before you're ready to do what's right. Sometimes it takes sorrow to wash some things out of you and get rid of some stuff. You know, the Lord spoke to me today, and he said at the end of this service, I think it's going to happen for the next two weeks and maybe three, but we're going to start unloading some stuff. We're going to start unloading some things through prayer and, and 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 not being afraid of sorrow and what that's producing in you. Cuz the scripture says this. He says, "But now," 2 Corinthians 7 says, "but now I'm happy." In other words, he wasn't before. He wasn't before, but he said, "But now I'm happy." Not because I made you sad, but because your sadness made you change your ways. The sadness was used by God, and so we caused you no harm. For the sadness that is used by God brings change of heart that leads to salvation. Now, I want you to see salvation bigger than just asking Jesus into your heart. Many of you have circumstances and situations and relational turmoil that you need salvation. Well, sometimes uh, sorrow causes that to happen. And Paul said there's no regret in that. But sadness that's just merely human causes death. In other words, some people can shake the reed at you and, and get down your throat and, 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 and say hurtful things and be so mean with their words. And that causes sadness. But that's human sadness. Are you all with me today? That kind of human sadness, and when you... Listen, I feel this of the Spirit. When you use, when you use your flesh... To bring human sadness by getting in people's face, by being mean and belligerent and ugly with your words and damaging. That is not godly. That does not produce godly sorrow. That may produce some sorrow, but it's not gonna get the kind of results you're looking for. Somebody say, Amen. 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 Come on. Receive that today. That's from the Lord. And there's no regret in that, but sadness is here, human, it causes death. it destroys. See what God did? See what God did with the sadness of yours? Look how earnest it has made you. Look how eager you are. We see earnest and eager you are to prove your innocence. Such indignation, such alarm, such feeling. Man, look at your devotion now, your readiness to punish wrongdoing. You've shown yourself to be without fault in this whole matter. Guys, that's a powerful scripture. Let's give the Lord a hand for his word today. The word of God is our guide. The word of God, this produces godly sorrow. When you have godly sorrow, when there's a true godly sorrow, when you get to that point where there's true godly sorrow, there's a release of power from within. A power you didn't have. A a feeling you didn't have. A motivation where where it says, see how eager you are now? See how earnest you are now? See how excited you are? True godly sorrow, it releases a power in you to get some change happening in your life. You know, it didn't happen overnight. This thing started growing in him. Just like my daughter, man, I'm ready for her to give birth to that baby. Not near as bad as she probably is ready to give birth to that baby. She was supposed to give birth to her baby last Thursday. She's ready to pop, I'm telling you, and I'm ready to be granddad for the second time. But um, imagine nine months. I wanna have this, I want to deliver this baby, man. It was six months that the Lord impregnated Nehemiah to where he was able to go do something. He was gaining the momentum, he was gaining traction. He was gaining desire. He was having godly sorrow. He was working on some things. He was doing some things. His insides began to change. His soul began to call out. He said, i got to do more. i got to have more. And I need to be what Jesus has called me to be. His burden increased. And the power was released. I'm telling you guys, godly sorrow releases power. So the second thing is Nehemiah Sought the Lord with prayer. He had a real openness. And then he had some repentance and some sorrow. And now you're seeing in the six months, now you're starting to see a guy that says that they can't do this. At first when he heard the report, he was like, oh, too bad. I'm a 1,000 miles away. What can I do? I'm happy where I'm at. I'm the king's cupbearer. I have the best food. I have the best place to live. He couldn't do that anymore. This thing kept growing in him growing in him, change I prophesy to you change is growing in you change is growing in you changes in marriages changes in relationship changes in business changes in your relation of God God is impregnating you with something and you're going to give birth to some real change that's going to change some things the third scriptural step for real change is a dream a dream when i had my nervous breakdown back in whenever that was it took me like four years to dream again i remember the first time when i had a thought or an unction or a vision or a dream again because the devil had taken my legs out to to a to a point where I was afraid to dream anymore. Anybody afraid to dream oh, about your marriage? You think it's too far gone? Any of you afraid to dream about your kids? Any of you afraid to dream? Don't let the devil steal your dream. In that six months, a vision, a dream was put inside of Nehemiah. The Spirit of the Lord is saying, to, telling me to say this to you your current life is too small to fit the big dream and the vision God has for you. The Lord told me to write that down. You might want to write that down. Your current life is too small to fit the big dream and the big vision that you have that God has for you. There's big dreams. As long as you look at your current life, you're going to see some things. There needs to be some immediate shifts. There needs to be some shifts. There needs to be some alt- altercations. alter alterations there needs to be some alterations for everything that God wants to do and as you're altering keep remembering that God is going to infuse you with power to carry out your dreams you say I've dreamed but it never happened God will infuse you with power quit saying that God will infuse you with power to carry out that dream I want to ask you where do visions where does vision come from Where do I get a vision for my marriage? Where do I get a vision for my relationships? Where do I get a vision for your your job? I hope it's not in your head. Things that are born in the head reach the head. Things that are born in the spirit reaches the spirit. Guys, we are spirit people. We have an edge in this world. Come on. We have an edge in this world. We're spirit people. We're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. Don't turn to human ways and and figuring it out in your own brain because our brains are ridiculously naive and, can I just say stupid sometimes, compared to the wisdom of God and the knowledge of God. So let, let the Lord put this dream. Where do they come from? Where do they come from? Write this down Vision and passion. Vision and passion are born in prayer and only maintained through prayer vision ambition vision and passion are born in prayer and only maintained with prayer leonard, leonard ravenhill said that changed my life when i heard that one it made me know that i that, that i need to seek my plans i need to seek my outlook i needed to seek my future i need to when i close my mind and i say how do you envision your marriage uh, how do you envision this church, Lord? Uh, how do you envision my relationship with my children? Lord, Lord, how do you envision these things? Culture has got me messed up. Uh, uh, the way the culture's doing it and worked out. How do you envision things? It comes through prayer. Through prayer. Through prayer. Martin Luther said, I have a dream. Where do you get that dream? You think he thought of it? How many of you think Martin Luther thought of that? It was born in him. It was born in him. And there was a passion to carry out that dream even to the point of death. Brothers and sisters, there has to be a passion to carry out your dream even to the point of death. Death to self. Death to flesh. Death death to human selfishness. death, 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 death. So that Christ may live, live, live inside of me releasing the vision once you get the vision the next thing you got to do is you got to lift your hands up pastor i don't like you tell me how to this is what i do the next thing i do after i hear the vision after i see the vision for my marriage after i see the vision for the church after like right now i'm having lots of visions for what this church is supposed to do um lots and and i've learned not to tell everybody all the vision because it whacks people out freaks that we're gonna do what um so 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 right now i 'm in that prayer i 'm in that s- time of prayer and preparation and trying to hear the heart of the Lord. Do you know when I moved here from Wyoming? I spent six months it 's funny it's the same as Nehemiah. I spent six months. We opened the church at six a m and we closed it at ten, and we would have between sixty and a hundred and seventy people come and pray every day, six days a week. So I would stay there from six to ten because I wanted. To see everybody coming in. You know what I did for six months? Lord, I call out Chicago Land, Father, I pray that you would establish your church in that place. Lord, I pray your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, place your vision in my heart. Burn passion in my heart. Lord, I need a team. Lord, we gotta have people to go with us. Lord, we're gonna need some finance. Lord, give me and Carmen the strength, the courage to step out and leave and drive 2,000 miles with four kids and no money and not knowing anybody and not having a place to live or a job to go to. Lord, infuse me with some faith. Infuse me with some... That's how you get your vision. You, you, that's how you do it. Do that same thing with your marriage. God, I can't take this. This marriage can't stay like it is. Lord, put some repentance in my heart. I'm a hard-headed knucklehead and I treat my wife life like crud. Change my heart. Give me repentance. That's what you do when you're getting your vision, brothers and sisters. That's how you do it. Don't sit up here and look for me to do that for you. You need to do that for yourself. People that want real change. When people are down and out, I'll give them something to do. And if they don't have enough gumption to help themselves, I'm done. Even with God. God... You draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. You put one step, he'll put forth two. But come on, you got to meet him somewhere. Come on, you got to meet him somewhere. Give God. I remember one time I was needing to believe for a miracle and I felt the Lord say, Brian, just give me a little bit of faith. Just give me a little bit. If you'll give me a mustard seed, can't you give me something to work with here? Let's give God something to work with. But then you raise your hands up and you say, Ephesians 3.20 Exceedingly, if you know it, say it with me. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. When you pray, you are releasing a power inside of you. The Bible says when Moses' hands were lifted up On the mountaintop, there was victory in the valley. When Moses' hands were down on the mountaintop, there was not victory. There was defeat in the valley. Brothers and sisters, I say get your hands from down on your side and lift them up with God. And begin to declare those things that He declares. Begin to say those things that He says. Begin to walk in agreement with God's vision for your life. And change is a covenant! Change is coming. Change is coming. And then after you do that, sorry, if you're new, I'm usually not this excited. But I I, I believe this one. I believe this sermon. I'll tell you what, the enemy has fought me harder on on this particular sermon series than I've been fought for years. Honestly. But my friend Robert kept saying, keep laying this foundation. Keep laying the foundation. Keep laying the foundation. And deliverance is coming to this church. and Victory and breakthrough are coming to you. The third scriptural step. Is that three? Four. The fourth one is plan for success. Plan to succeed. So notice I said it's born. A dream and a vision is born in prayer. But after it's born, it's okay now to start putting some planning. The Bible even says that a dream cometh by... uh, This is in Amplified if you want to look it up. It says a dream cometh by hard work and great planning. Amplified says a dream comes with hard work and great planning. So plan for success. All plans and blueprints, again are born in prayer, are born in prayer. I challenge you to read the book of Exodus, and look how detailed God told them to build the temple. Look how detailed it is. He got down to color, to the size of bolt or nail, to fabric, to different kinds of woods. The minutest, the minutest detail God gave them. God gave it. Look at me and believe this. Don't be a doubter today. Don't be a doubter today. You're in doubt yourself all out of chain. Don't be a doubter. <coughs> Take, uh, go to God, get a dream, and then believe that he's going to direct you. Quit looking <coughs> for somebody else to do that. Believe that God is going to give you the blueprints. Did God give Mo- Moses blueprints? Yeah. Here's another one. The ark. How many think there need to be some planning on the ark? What you need to change in your life, don't go flippantly running at it. And don't run out of here this week doing a couple things, which I'm going to challenge you to do a couple things, and then next week not getting the result you want and say, "Ah, oh, it didn't work. Six months, six months it took Nehemiah. Think how long the plans came to Moses in them. Habakkuk 2, 2 through 3 says this, and I want you to say this for yourself. I want you to say, the Lord, say that with me, the Lord gave me the answer. Say that again, the Lord, read that, gave me this answer. Say it again, the Lord gave me this answer. He gave you the answer. He's going to give you the answer. You're going to be able to write it down plainly on some paper, what He's revealing to you, so that it can be read at a glance. You're going to have it. You're going to know it. Put it in writing, because it is not time for it to come true. Woo, we could start, we could park there and preach. Put it in writing because it's not right now that it's coming through. This right now mentality is very immature. There has to be a, 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 a mentality of persistence and training and practice and effort. Put forth something towards it. Are y'all hearing me today? And the reason you write your dreams down is when you're downstairs in the basement and everything's flooded and you don't have money for cement and you're by yourself that night and you're tired and you want to go home that you're like man I think I missed it here building this church when you don't get that reply you want from your wife from a relative I must have missed it right down Write down God's vision for you. To me, if you can't do that this week, that's an assignment. Write down God's vision for you. To me, if you can't do that, if you can't put forth that effort, to me, I'm limited on how much I can help. Write it down. Put it in writing because it's, it's not yet time for it to come true. But the time is coming. And it's coming quickly. And what I show you, it will come true. How many of you believe Jesus is coming back? Do you really believe Jesus is coming back? That is the blessed hope. But how many know that in waiting with Him for Him to come back, sometimes our hope gets deferred and our heart grows sick? How many say we grow sick and we grow tired and we grow weary sometimes? But we reflect back and we say, oh, He's a coming. He's coming. Jesus is coming back for me. And hope comes back. Do that the same thing with your dreams. Even though they're slow in coming, wait for them. They will take place. They will not be delayed. If you're a person that wants to seize your dream and you feel like they're waiting, I challenge you to read. Who is that guy that wrestled with the Lord? Jacob? Did Jacob wrestle with the Lord? Was it Jacob? Jacob? Go, if somebody wants to find that scripture and bring it up, go read this week about Jacob wrestling with the Lord and, 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 and where he had that attitude of, I am not letting go of you until you bless me, Lord. I want you to grab your dreams and your plans and say, I'm not letting loose, I'm not letting loose, I'm not letting loose until you bless me, until I see this come to Fruition. And the last thing of today's sermon is take some action. Execute. 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 Let's do something. Nehemiah, you can read from Nehemiah 1 4 through 4-12, everything I'm getting ready to say here, when Nehemiah after six months, it was now time to execute. And the king came and said how can I help you? When you get Where you're ready, everything you need, the king said, Nehemiah, how can I help you? Well, the walls are burned down and blah, blah, blah. Oh, you can go. And oh, by the way, I'll give you all the resources you need. Oh, by the way, it's paid for. How many of you know that our king Jesus said, oh, by the way, it's all paid for? Come on. Oh, by the way. All the resource and everything you have, it's all paid for. Genesis 32. It's all paid for. I'm telling you, you get down where you're waiting on the Lord and you get that dream and you get that six months going by, maybe maybe you're going to be like Abraham. Forty years goes by. Don't you put no timetables on God. Don't you put him in your box and cause him to be a puppet to only do what you want him to do. How can I help? The king gave him the resource to do it. He took the next step, arrived in Jerusalem. A whole team was waiting there ready to help him. He tweaked his plan. Guys, don't ever be afraid to tweak the plan. We felt like the Lord told us to sell everything. And we did that. We sold everything. Me and my wife lived in a fifth wheel. But the rest of that plan isn't as i planned it so sometimes you have to sometimes we have an a to b but sometimes our b is not his b sometimes he has an a to c or an a to d even nehemiah he tweaked the plan a little bit he tweaked the plan be ready robert you told me this this week be willing to surrender your plan at any time y'all with me today I study and pray each week for the sermon. But I'm willing to abandon that at any point in time. Lord, your will, not mine, be done. Are you all with me? He went to Jerusalem. He gathered his team, tweaked his plan. And then I want you to see this last scripture. All of his people came and they replied at once. Let us rebuild this wall. And they began a good work. Father, in Jesus' name, Father, in Jesus' name, you have spoken to our hearts today. You've called us for honest evaluation. Lord, even now, I pray that people would take an honest look at their life conditions, their life story. And Lord, if people have a bad life story, we thank you for the good news that it's not over and we bring your guidelines and your principles and we say this everybody under your breath say lord give me a dream and i want you to envision that area that you need help from begin to envision that area you need help god give me your vision give me your eyes give me your heart in this thing Give me your thoughts. Give me your mind. I'm screwing it all up, Lord. It ain't working. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. Lord, I just release the Holy Spirit in this room. Lord, I pray you'd speak to hearts like you can. Lord, release a dream. And this week, I pray that people will commit themselves to prayer and possible repentance. Enter looking, and that you'll bear a dream, and Lord, we can begin to make some blueprints, make some plans, in Jesus' name. With every head bowed, eyes closed, who would say, man, I'll tell you where I need to start. I need to start by making Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of my life. Because I'm telling you, Brian, right now, I'm sitting here, I, I'm not right with the Lord to begin with. How, how can I expect His blessings? How can I expect what you're preaching about? I'm not living for God today. I am not a Christian. I'm not living for God. If that's you today, you're going to know it because you're going to feel the Holy Spirit prompting you. You, you. you Maybe your breathing is getting heavier. Or you're maybe feeling... You're just feeling something happen. I remember when it happened to me. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Don't push that away. I want you to say, Lord, I'm open. If you hear the Lord calling you to be a Christian, I want you to give your ear to Him right now. I want you to imagine a door and Jesus knocking at the door. Do you hear Him knocking today? Do you hear Him prompting? Do you hear Him saying, I want you to be my daughter? I, I feel there's some daughters here that need to be born again. I, I'm feeling there's a couple ladies that you need to give your heart to the Lord today. Not that there's not a man here, but I'm, I'm feeling a couple ladies that God's dealing with you. You're hearing that knock on the door. Now all you got to do is say, come into my heart. Come into my heart. And the first steps are just believing that Jesus died. That all your wrong and all your mistakes, the Bible calls it all the ordinances or handwritings that was written against you. and In other words, all your violations. The Bible says that Jesus took them and nailed them to the cross. And when he died, they died. And when you accept him, your sin dies and he puts life in you. If you So salvation is simply saying, Lord, let that sin die and let your life come into me. You can say that right where you're at. Say, Lord, let the sin die and let your life. I see lips moving. Let your sin die. Let my sin die and your life rise in me today. And then the last thing you do is just say, Lord Jesus, I accept you into my heart. I accept you into my heart. Now, nobody's looking around, and I promise, I promise I won't embarrass you. I don't want anybody looking. Nobody, nobody looking. Respect that, please. But if you prayed that prayer, just kind of look at me and wave. Just wave your hand at me. I prayed that prayer. I see your hand. Anybody else say, I prayed that prayer? I'm looking on my left. I see your hand in the middle. I see your hand in the back. Anybody else? I see another hand on my left. Anybody else? I'm looking down in the middle. I see the hand in the middle. Anybody else say I prayed that prayer? I'm looking to my right. I'm looking to my right. This may seem a little weird to you, but there's still someone on my left that God's dealing with you. Just say yes to Jesus. In just a minute, I'm going to ask everybody to stand, and then we're going to pray A prayer of salvation, I want everybody to pray it at the same time so that the six or seven, they don't have to pray it alone. And then after that, our prayer team's going to be in front here. They will pray with you on anything. Maybe you just want to come up and you don't want prayer from anybody. You just want some alone time. Um, Prayer team this morning, if you guys don't care, kind of keep it tight in here and let's leave the wings open. For people, let's leave the wings open. If people just want to come and ask the Lord to search your heart, just spend a little bit of time. But when I uh, ask everybody to stand up here in a minute, here's what we want to do. We want the prayer team to come. And then those that pray, those that want Christ, we're going to pray a prayer together. And then those that receive Christ and those who want prayer, if you want to, you can come forward for prayer today. Let's all stand in the name of Jesus. Grab the hand of the one next to you. Say, Father, I come to you. I thank you for Jesus Christ. I thank you that he loved me. And that he gave himself for me. Right now, I thank you that all my sins, all my failures, all my wrong decisions, all my mess-ups, all my hang-ups, Jesus nailed them to that cross. He took my sin And He gave me His righteousness, and He gave me His love, and He gave me His forgiveness. Now, right now, say, Lord Jesus, I receive Your forgiveness, and I ask Jesus into my heart. I'm going to live for You. I'm not going to make empty promises. I'm going to need You, Lord Jesus. Say, I'm going to need You, Jesus, to help me do this, because I can't do it without You. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand today. Prayer team, come forward. Prayer team, come forward. Worship. Brayden's going to sing a song, and then he'll come back and dismiss you.